You're listening to audio from Redemption Church of Houston. We are a people who believe that Jesus has invited everyone into his radically inclusive, world-altering way of love. That means that when we gather on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or in homes throughout the week, you are welcome here. Regardless of your social status, gender, race, sexual orientation, or politics, we want you to fully and actually join, grow, worship, and serve with us. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, Jesus invites you into his radical love just the way you are. And so do we. Good morning, Redemption. That was like the fullest response I've ever gotten. Um, so uh, I'm going to make a couple of announcements here, and then we'll actually move into the sermon. Uh, hopefully, the vast majority of you in here um, have talked to me directly, uh, follow us on social media, or are on our email list, because if not, you're about to be really surprised. Um, uh, yeah, uh, it's a little bit of an understatement. So um, most of us in here know that I announced on Friday that I am stepping down as lead pastor of Redemption Church, effective June 30th. Um, there's a whole long spiel that I gave about it. If you want to read that spiel, the easiest way to access that is go to our website. There's a red bar across the top. Um, if you'll click that red bar, it has like the order of events for today. On the order of events, it has a link to a long like letter um, explaining my reasoning, my stuff, my heart, my everything. Um, so let me tell you a couple things. Um, very briefly, uh, I'm not being pushed out and there's nothing scandalous going on and I'm not actually leaving the church. I'm just leaving the staff of the church. I'm gonna go from standing up here on Sunday mornings to sitting somewhere out there on Sunday mornings, maybe here with my wife for once. Um, I love this church. This church is, I, I'm, I like to think relatively young, but this church is still in large part my life's work. Um, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think it was absolutely best for me. And if I didn't also, surprisingly, and as hard as it is to believe for some of you in this moment, um, actually what's going to be really good for redemption in the long run. So what our council has decided is, um, Brandon, who's actually going to come up here and preach for us in a minute, uh, easy morning for him. Uh, he's been our associate pastor for three years now. Our council, which is kind of our version of a board, has unanimously recommended that he become the next lead pastor. Um, that needs to be approved by congregational vote at a meeting to be scheduled uh, shortly. Um, that will happen over the next few weeks. Um, I'm only stepping down because I need it um, and because I think redemption's in a good enough place to more than survive it. Um, so let me speak to one thing. One of the questions that I've gotten a little bit is, wait, why did you announce this on Friday instead of like Sunday from the stage? Um, and a big part of it is I didn't want everybody in the room to be surprised all at once. Um, but, but very sincerely, um, as odd as this is, uh, one of my contentions from the very start of this place is I don't want redemption to be about me. Right? I've been up here for three and a half minutes uh, and the whole three and a half minutes have been about me. Um, that's fine. We need to address some practical uh, things here, some business things as a, con as a congregation. I need to be open and honest and real with you guys. Um, and yet, you guys know that the reason Redemption Church has always existed and still exists to this day is to provide connection to Jesus for absolutely anyone. 
my goal from the day that we launched was that we would be safe space for absolutely anyone to explore and encounter Jesus. What we think we are doing here on Sunday mornings is not hearing good lectures, is not singing fun songs, is not meeting happy friends. It's, it's none of these things. It's, it's a little bit of all of these things, but it's, it's much more than all of those things put together. What we think we are doing here week after week after week is actually exploring and even encountering the risen, actual, living God-man Jesus Christ. One of my fears about this announcement was that it was going to sacrifice a whole Sunday. I know that seems a little small because we have 52 Sundays every year. Um, and yet with the craziness of the past couple of years of COVID and how, I don't know, I think there's about a quarter of our congregation here in person um, every Sunday, uh, I really so value our Sunday time together. Honestly, I didn't want to dominate an entire Sunday with all of us being morose and down. And some of you guys will be, if this is your first time hearing it, process the way that you need to process. I'm not trying to control your emotions. Do what you need. Um, Let me announce one more piece here before I forget. We are going to have like a public Q&A this afternoon, three o'clock here. Um, Any questions that you want to have or that you do have or you want to like hear more, you want to ask what's next, ask any practicalities, ask any hard things that my letter doesn't speak to, come and ask and I will answer all of those things to the best of my ability. If you can't be here this afternoon at three, uh, send us a note. I'll make time to Zoom with you or meet you for coffee or we'll text. I talked to um, probably a hundred of you guys on Friday, um, as many as uh, I could. Um, but let me get back to actually what I'm trying to do in this moment, which is not just tell you that I'm resigning, um, but remind us that we have a bright future ahead of us, right? So the bright future has never had anything to do with me. Um, I'm going to preach next week. I'm going to preach on my final Sunday, which will be June 26th. Um, but like, that's not our bright future. God, I hope not. Um, our bright future is all the faces in this room. Our bright future is all the faces in this room precisely because the faces in this room are here dedicated to the ideal of absolutely anyone being able to explore, ask hard questions, dark questions, complex questions, negative questions, the kinds of questions that don't feel safe to ask in a church context. To explore Jesus, and yet not just to be on the cynical side forever, but also to say, hey, we encounter Jesus in and with each other. Our bright future rests not in me, but in us. Our bright future, even here this morning, rests entirely and only on can we connect with Jesus together. So Brandon's kicking off a new series here for us this morning. He'll explain more about that. Um, but who, who are we? What are we supposed to be doing? Really, what is this thing that we're doing that's called the church? How is it actually and really all about Jesus? And the whole reason for the format of this announcement in such a tiny way um, of doing this in just a few minutes here on a Sunday morning is trying to get us back to, wait, even today, even with shocking news, even with church-changing news like this, Everything has always been about Jesus and everything will continue to be about Jesus even on our worst days, even on our most confusing days, even on our most unsure days. Even today, we have the opportunity to meet with Jesus, to be comforted by Jesus, 
to be filled with the spirit of Jesus and to worship him with everything that we have. Together, Redemption Church, let's explore and let's encounter Jesus even today. Here's Brandon. Well, good morning. (laughs) Um, I think Zach just gave my sermon for me. But that's what makes this so right. Right, this isn't someone who's stood up in front of us for the last, the better part of the last 10 years and told us some version of a story that we wanted to hear that we thought was nice, that we could buy into. Deep down in my bones, I believe that what Zach has done is he's presented us with the truth. He's presented us with the risen Jesus. So of course, when we start having conversations of like, wait, who are we and what are we doing? Uh, yeah, that's, that's the answer. And so I want to spend the rest of our time here this morning discussing this question. What is church? What comes to mind when you hear church? We posed this question on uh, social media this week, and there were some encouraging answers There are far more heartbreaking answers to the question, hey, when you hear church, what comes to mind? Right, some of the good stuff was friends, fellowship, a global history, a global network of spirit-filled believers following Jesus, living lives of love, profoundly beautiful. But a majority of the answers were along these lines. What comes to mind when you hear church? Christian nationalism, anxiety, jerks, hurtful, judgmental, pastoral egos, a club I don't belong to, God help us. The politicizing Jesus, and this one shook me. I don't know this person. The response was the lies. I recently lost two of my daughters, and in the context of that, when they think of the church, they think of the lies. The church is not what it should be. It's not what it's supposed to be. What comes to mind when you hear the church? Profound ugliness. And so I want us to take a minute here, to take a beat. Right, we're, we're hearing some jolting news, some surprising news. For many of you, probably unsettling news. Um, if you were excited about this news, you probably wouldn't be here. I think most of those people left us a long time ago. <laughs> but we're confronted with the question, who are we? Not who do, who do we strive to be, not what's our ideal version, like who are we? And my goal this morning is to remind or maybe restore or reignite some sort of imagination of church. 
some sort of reclaiming that word for our souls and our hearts, but maybe more importantly, for the souls and the hearts of the people around us that are being crushed by this word, decimated by this word, who are being destroyed and being dealt cursing and death by this word, when it should be a spring of life. And I I want us to ask this, not in some sort of philosophical sense, like, who are we? Church, right? Some sort of dictionary definition. What I mean is, who are we as the church? This church, Redemption Church, the church that sits here on Timberside Drive, who are we? And I want us to let God answer that question for us. So for the next several weeks, we're going to turn to the book of Acts. And what Acts does so profoundly well is it informs who we are and what we're meant to be doing Sunday after Sunday and in all the spaces in between. Acts doesn't tell us what the church is. Acts shows us what the church is. And so we're not going to go chapter by chapter, but we're going to look at some snapshots over the next several weeks and get a picture. Wait, who are we? How should we be going about our days? What should we be doing on Sundays? And as we do, my hope and my sincere prayer is that all of us together will encounter something extraordinary, something beautiful, something beyond some words on a page, something way beyond some sort of institution, something that flies in the face of so much what is that has broken the hearts of so many of you sitting in the seats today. Something that flies in the face of so much that has hurt us and jaded us and broken us and turned us into pessimistic cynics. And so we will look at Acts starting in chapter one. And the first thing that we're gonna see is that who we are right here in this place, in this time, is that we are a people among whom Jesus still speaks and acts. In 2022, a redemption church, this is a place where Jesus is very much alive and active. Acts chapter one, let's look at the first three verses. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Right, so so what is Acts? What is this book that we're diving into over the next couple of weeks? This is the, the second account of the life of Jesus. The author, Luke, wrote one of the gospels, one of the four gospels. It's called Luke. And in that, he is going to tell you, here was the life and the work and the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. He is the only gospel writer to continue his account. And so Acts is that second account. Wait, what happens when Jesus leaves? What happens with the rest of the story? Like, is this just it? A customary description of the book of Acts is that it's a history of the church. It's the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Church. It's not the case. Acts is the second part of the life of Jesus begun by Luke in his gospel and continued here as Jesus will 
consistently be an active, present agent that moves the church along throughout the story. Luke's not out to say, hey, Jesus did this thing, and so here's how we should live because of it. Jesus, uh, Luke is out to say, no, Jesus is actually here with us, alive and active and moving and doing stuff. And we see this here in the intro in verse 1. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, if he had done, if he had said everything that Jesus had to do and to say, he would have rather said here, I wrote to you about everything that Jesus did. But instead, I wrote to you about everything that Jesus began to do. The assumption is that, wait, there's more that Jesus is doing? Even though he died, even though he was resurrected, and even though he ascended into heaven, Jesus is still around? And so as we're reading this, we're expecting there to be more to the story. The apostles throughout this book are so regularly identified with Jesus that you begin to lose sight of who's doing what. So that all that Jesus did and teaches does not cease with Jesus' ascension but continues within this new community. We see this in in Acts chapter nine, verse 32, if you wanna write that down and look it up later. It says this, as Peter was traveling from place to place, he came down to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Not Peter heals you. Not Zach McCoy heals you. Not the institution heals you. Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up. So all who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to Jesus. These men and women who are working throughout the book of Acts are vessels through whom Jesus works by his spirit. The story of Jesus continues through them. We see this in verse two, that even in their being chosen, right? Apostle just means like sent out ones. Their job is to go. Even in that, the Holy Spirit is empowering and choosing them to be the ones to go and do the thing that Jesus is asking them to do. And then in verse three, we get this small little picture of of what this looks like for us today. As the resurrected Jesus, who had suffered, presents himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God, it is the revelation of the resurrected Jesus among the community of believers. Right, I don't think Luke is just telling us this because it's like an interesting tidbit, a fact, uh, a little factoid for you to put in your, your notebook. He's preparing you for what's to come in the rest of the book because as the book goes on, you're gonna find out, oh wait, Jesus is still appearing among us and teaching us and leading us and empowering us to continue the story. Behind everything in the book of Acts stands the resurrected Jesus. Behind everything we do and say stands the resurrected Jesus. And isn't this where we get into trouble? Where we as a church want to tell the risen Jesus to take a seat. Jesus, we got it from here. We're good. 
We got fat stacks. We've got intelligent leadership. We've got a system in place. We can build a fantastic institution here on Timberside. We've got this, risen Lord. You go ahead and take a break. And isn't this how so many of the institutions that we've encountered and been crushed by, isn't this what they've become? Not places where people encounter a resurrected Jesus, but places where people encounter like business models, good leadership strategies, five steps on becoming a nice person or a good neighbor. Those are nice. None of them can stand in the place of the resurrected and risen Jesus. So the second thing we see, right, is that it's we are established and sustained by God. We're not established and we're not sustained by leaders or heroes. That the story of Jesus that's continued among us is not because we had the right leadership or the certain right hero in order to bring us there. Look at verse 4. While Jesus was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or periods that the Father set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right, really simple point here, but let's not miss it. You can't do the work of Jesus without Jesus. How often do we try this? How often do we make this mistake of trying to go and build the kingdom of God without God? This point is uh, nailed down sufficiently when Jesus commanded them as, hey, don't make a move. Don't do anything yet until you receive my spirit. And when they ask, wait, okay, so it's going down, right? Tell us it's going down. The kingdom of God is coming. You're doing this thing. Can you tell us when it's going to happen? And his response is, that's none of your business. That's above your pay grade. This isn't for you to know. That's not your job or your responsibility. That's my job and my responsibility. Let me and the Father and the Spirit, we'll take care of that. You just wait. You watch, and the Holy Spirit will arrive. See, notice in verse 8, he calls them witnesses. Because that's who we are. We're witnesses. They're witnesses and they're apostles. They're not leaders and heroes. They're people who belong to God, who stand and point to the resurrected Jesus among them. Jesus describes them as witnesses in verse 8, but they will then adopt this term and use it for the rest of the book of Acts. We are the witnesses of Jesus. We testify about Jesus, not what he used to do, but what he is currently doing still among us. How often is our personality cult of evangelicalism driven by propping up other human leaders as would-be messiahs? rather than standing and pointing to the risen Jesus who's alive and active among us here in 2022. 
It's easy to do. It's an easy trap for us to fall into. But this is who we are. We observe and we proclaim what the resurrected Jesus is doing among us. We bear witness to him, both in what he has done in the past and what he is still doing in our lives and in our story today. Right now, in this particular place, in this particular people, Jesus is among us. He sustains us. He made us. And he's faithful to us. And so in this way, Redemption Church we do not belong to ourselves. We belong to the risen Jesus who is here among us. And his witness continues within us and outside of us and so often in spite of us. And so we must be careful and present to the Jesus that's among us. Careful to watch and to see, to be still long enough to recognize what he's doing. All right, so... Um, my wife and I are living like in the early 2000s, and so we just now started watching The Sopranos. Um, if you've seen it, it's great. I, I love it. It's great. Um, but we're like finally getting to the last season, and there's this random scene where Tony Soprano's wife like wins this trip to Paris, and her and her friend go to Paris, and they're like really stressed out about their itinerary. And they're walking down the street and her head's in the map. She's like, I think we're going the wrong way and we're running late and we're gonna miss the tour and the whole thing's going off. And all of a sudden, she takes her face out of the map and out of the itinerary and she looks up and for the first time she sees, oh, Paris. It's all around me. And she walks over, she's standing on a bridge and she walks over and just starts admiring the, the statues on this bridge. And everywhere she goes from this point forward in Paris, it's not rushed, it's present, and it's observant, and she's awake to the fact that Paris is all around her. I wonder who we could be if Redemption Church stopped worrying about our itinerary, and if we would slow down and be present to the risen Jesus that's working in each and every one of our stories, weaving all of our stories together with his, and in doing so, weaving together a story that we're calling the story of Redemption Church. Yesterday, my wife and I went to the zoo. Um, this is probably a stupid illustration. Like, it's not, like, I think it absolutely makes sense. Um, so we're at the zoo. We, we like to take Saturdays off. They're like, our, like, like, turn everything off. Try and like, just be present with one another. Have some sort of time with like, relationship and being slow. And, and so we're at the zoo. We took our toddler to the zoo. And we had been there for 10 minutes. And we're staring at the hippopotamus. Our toddler's obsessed with the stairs. And we're like, no, no, look. There's a hippopotamus right here. She's like, the stairs, though, are amazing. And, and all of a sudden, we hear like screaming. We both kind of look at each other and we look back behind us and there's a woman on the ground and she's like wailing. As like she's clearly like in pain, like something has happened. She's still crying out. Her, there's a man standing there with a baby. I assume it's her husband and her child and they're kind of standing over. He looks panicked. He doesn't know what to do. And people are just walking past, just looking at her, standing upright. No one even bends down to check on her. 
And I look at my wife, who's like, she does orthopedic pre-op. And I'm like, uh, if anyone here knows what's going on and what to do, like, you might be the one. So are we going to just stand here and gawk? Or are we going to move on? And so she goes over, and she, her words to me were like, wow, you were really frantic, which is probably entirely true. She very coolly and very calmly goes over there. I take our toddler, and we kind of wander around and distract her for a little bit. And in this moment, my wife doesn't fix anything. Uh, she thinks this poor person ruptured her Achilles tendon, which is terrible. Right? You, she can't do anything about that. You're waiting for me to say, and she laid hands on her, and Achilles was fine. No, 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 none of that happened. But do you know what my wife did? And I pointed this out to our toddler. She knelt down on the ground, and she held the woman's hand. She comforted her. She didn't take the pain away, but she entered into the pain with her. Guys, if that's not the presence of the resurrected Jesus, I don't know what is. If that's not who we're called to be as a people, as we go about our day-to-day lives between Sundays, I don't know what is. But how easily we could have missed that. It's inconvenient. It ruined our zoo trip. This is our Saturday. It's our time off. You're not supposed to be doing nursing stuff. I'm not supposed to be doing pastoring stuff. Let's move on and let's go see the giraffes. And I don't know what difference it made to this woman eternally. (laughs) But I know in that moment, it was nice for her to feel like someone sees me, someone cares, someone's here to help. So as we wait, it's not a passive waiting. We don't just sit back and go, okay, God, time for you to do something. You run this show. No, no, we're active and present. We're watchful. We don't stand still. Instead, we go about our lives bearing witness to the resurrected Jesus. Okay, last point, the third one here. We live as witnesses to Jesus' story among us. Verse 9. So after Jesus had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. There's a little bit of an emphasis here on heaven. See, our temptation will be to stand and become impressed by Jesus. Wow, this story of Jesus is fantastic. The love of Jesus is fantastic. Look at it go. Instead, rather than being God gawkers, standing in isolation and staring into heaven, what Jesus is inviting us into is participation. We can't just be consumers of Jesus. Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I am in your story and your story is in mine and these things are woven together And Jesus is continuing his radical and world-changing gospel of love through us. Redemption Church, right here in this place. We're participants caught up in the grand story of Jesus, and he shows up in surprising ways. Our witness to the risen Jesus among us takes the form of 
a mutual responsibility within a community of believers. In other words, we cannot stand in isolation and admire God from afar. But rather, we come together as a community who, yes, worships, but worships in community with one another and shared love and responsibility. That's the church. That's this church. We're worshipers, but we're worshipers in a given place among a given people. We're worshipers in community, a church. So what does this mean? Last thing, and we'll wrap it up here. It means that we begin to allow Jesus to form and restore an imagination within us to begin to see the world, our lives, our stories very differently. That we begin to see the face of Jesus in the face of our spouse, in the face of our children, and our coworkers, and our neighbors, in the face of the person who just cut us off on 610. Strangers at the zoo. We begin to see the face of Jesus all around us, and we begin to develop an eye for seeing the presence and the action of the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day, mundane, humdrum lives. We don't need to go change the world. God will do that on his own. We need to be present and available, living out our stories, and then wholeheartedly embrace our identity as a worshiping community of God, living together, grateful for what we've been given, but readily inviting and sharing and serving others out of who Jesus has made us. And then we gather. On Sundays, we gather to worship and to pray and to bear witness to one another that the risen Jesus is still among us and still active. See, the church is Jesus among us by and through his spirit. That's who we are. A people in intimate relation with God, worshipers, but also a people in intimate relationship with one another, a community. It's lived, it's incarnational, it's down to earth, it's connected to our real lives. Redemption's story is only ever the story of Jesus among us. Anything else is our effort to coerce or replace God, to prop up would-be messiahs or religious institutions. You see, it was Jesus among us by and through his spirit that started this place in 2013 in Zach and Todd's apartment. It was Jesus among us by and through his spirit that brought us to this place and this time. It was Jesus among us by and through his spirit that guided so many of you to Film Club, where a few weeks ago, we could have an open and safe conversation over tears about our deep wounds from the church. It was the Jesus among us, by and through his spirit, that encouraged us to open up, share our burdens and our lives with people, building deep and lasting friendships in our hub groups. It was Jesus among us by and through his spirit that gave us the courage to trust a pastor with parts of our lives other other religious leaders were criticizing and judging us for. It was Jesus among us by and through his spirit 
who created in us a desire to be among his people Sunday after Sunday, infants and screaming toddlers in tow in the middle of a pandemic, with every reason to stay home, we mysteriously and we miraculously came back Sunday after Sunday. It was the risen Jesus among us by and through his spirit that continually adds new stories to his story. New beauty, new heartache, new delight, new brokenness, new stories of Jesus' grace and love and faithfulness. And it's the story of Jesus among us by and through his spirit that's now asking us, will you trust me above all else? Will you trust me? Will you be my church? Jesus, we, um, we are needy, we are broken. We recognize so much of our inability to do so much of what you've called us to do, our inability to be so much of what you've called us to be. Will you be present with us like you've promised by your spirit? Will you... Fill us with your delight and your joy, and most of all, will you fill us with your love? Will we be overflowing with affection for one another, with delight for you, with joy and profound hope that whatever goes on outside of these walls is not the end of the story, that you are weaving our stories together into yours, and that your story ends in resurrection and ascension, and that you've assured us that our stories will too. Our story does not end in death. Our story does not end in brokenness. Because you are alive and you're among us, our story ends in life and in love. Praise you, Jesus. We take care of Redemption Church. We help us worship you right now. It's in your name we pray. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, get coffee with a pastor, or visit us on a Sunday, then go to redemptionhou.com. And please know today that you are fully loved and fully accepted just the way you are. We hope to hear from you soon.